E.T. phone home. Cassettes, welcome back to the Boo Case Diaries. (laughs) We are three old kids learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy here with Robin and Adam, of course. This week, we are wrapping up our spooky season with a movie that <laughs> isn't necessarily a Halloween movie, but it does have elements of the holiday and it takes place in the fall. Yeah, this is not a Halloween movie and we're not pretending no. it is. Okay? Whatever. <laughs> this is not the Halloween case diaries. It's just the boo case diaries. <laughs> we can do what we want. We call the shots around here. <laughs> In June of 1982, seven years after Steven Spielberg made waves with the first summer blockbuster, Jaws, the director brought audiences a new kind of film. At first, Universal Studios was hesitant to make this new movie, as it was for children, and children's movies weren't very lucrative at the time. But soon after its release, E.T., the extraterrestrial, proved the naysayers wrong. Not only was the film successful, but it was even credited for bringing adults back to the movie theaters. Okay, people will say that the 80s (laughs) had the scariest children's movies, and they might be right. I mean... But yeah, children's movies in the 80s were not lucrative. They weren't making a lot of money. This is 1982. This is when The Secret of Nim (laughs) is coming out, (laughs) which is amazing. Amazing. But it also means that Disney is firmly in their dark age, or at least their dark age is beginning. Yeah. And so if Disney's not making money off children's movies, everyone's like, uh... Nobody else can. Can we? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is it possible? Yeah. After three months of packed showings and outrageous box office numbers, it was clear that this movie wasn't for kids. It was for everyone that had ever been a kid. I was never one of those. E.T. is a story about friendship and the fear of losing the ones that we love. It celebrates the magic of childhood and takes place during Halloween, when childhood magic is in major abundance. So... Cassettes, let's don our costumes and bust out our Reese's PCs. It's time to phone home and talk about (laughs) E.T. I just heard everyone listening go, oh, because everyone says Reese's Pieces wrong. Yeah. Like everyone says it. A different way. Yeah. I say 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 wrong. I I mean, everyone says it differently. Yeah. So I always say Reese's Pieces. And then I'm like, Reese's Pieces, they're pieces of Reese's. Oh, I have a really hard time. <laughs> you get a headache just yeah. thinking about it. Look, all we got to know is that they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Yes. They say to write what you know, and E.T. was Spielberg's most personal film. The idea of a man from outer space coming to fill the void left in a family was something that Steven Spielberg had thought about even since he was a child. He incorporated the pain of his parents' divorce and used that with the family dynamic. When he was told that the movie had little chance of financial success, he didn't care. Steven Spielberg even thought that if only mothers and children saw the film, 
that 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 was good enough for him. It was simply a story he wanted to tell. Dude. I mean, sweet. I feel like when you've got really successful movies under your belt, that is the time mm-hmm. to say, I don't know if this is going to work, but I want to make it anyway. People mm-hmm. were going to go see the movie <laughs> right. because his name was on yeah. it. Yes. And, and who in Hollywood was going to say, mm, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't think I want this Steven yeah. Spielberg movie I don't. I don't really know about this Spielberg guy. Yeah, he I seems don't really... a little... <laughs> While filming Raiders of the Lost Ark, he dictated the story to screenwriter Melissa Matheson. She had never felt such responsibility in terms of writing, and the story was so clear she didn't have to make major edits to it. Spielberg really knew what he wanted, a great characteristic in any director. I think the thing about him that's really cool is that he does, he has solid vision usually. I feel like it's cliche to say that Steven Spielberg is a good director. <laughs> but I watching all that stuff, you're like, God, he really is though. He's... Yeah, it shows you the reasons why. Yeah. You know, because sure, you can look at the movies he's made and be like, of course he's a good director. Look at these movies. Yeah. But when you see the movies get made, like the process and all the people he's worked with, and you see how like genuine he is and just mm-hmm. all around great, you're like, well, that's yeah. why they turn out to be so good. Yeah. yeah. He seems really good at explaining what he wants uh-huh. to. Yeah. To be able to get somebody to understand what he's going for, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And I just, I love the idea of somebody making a movie just because they believe in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She asked children while she was working on the screenplay, what kind of superpower should an alien like E.T. have? And they often said healing. Or to take care of hurts. So it was a major part of his character. It's such a cool way to wrap all of that nice family-ness and the kids and the, the, Mm -hmm. the joy of childhood around an alien movie. Yeah. You know, somebody from outer space. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but now thinking about it, it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a creative way to do it. Yeah. It's a truth that we have witnessed again and again throughout human existence. We fear the unfamiliar. This basic idea is the driving force behind many horror stories and the reason we tell scary stories about aliens from outer space. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) If we looked into the catalog of early science fiction films, we would find a common theme surrounding the depiction of extraterrestrials. Their eyes are dark, their skin is slimy, and often they are hostile toward humans. I say... An alien from, like, you know, the UFO crash in Roswell or something like that. You imagine, you know, the big eyes, the big head, and it's just like a tiny little mouth, and they're probably either green or gray, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of imagines the same thing. So yeah. it's it's so strange yeah. how that worked out, but it's really cool to switch it up. There's this very solid image of aliens that we have, and mm-hmm. in so many stories... Aliens are here because they they want to kill us and use the Earth, or you know they want to do experiments on us mm-hmm. and see what's going on. Which in this movie mm-hmm. does such a great job of flipping that narrative, yeah. where the alien is here, defenseless, and we want to perform experiments on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. One of the most famous depictions of aliens comes in Ridley Scott's Alien from 1979, a straight up horror movie. I mean, it really is. Yes, that one for sure. 
So, when it was time to create an alien that audiences would fall in love with, Spielberg turned to special effects artist Carlo Rambaldi, someone he worked with on Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Rambaldi set out to design a creature unlike any that audiences had ever seen. Great job. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Ed Vero, the production illustrator, said that many different looks were tried, especially for the head and face features. Designers settled on a character with a long neck and bright, human-like eyes. Having this wrinkled, brown, squishy character, <laughs> but with these really bright, beautiful eyes, mm -hmm. Real, I mean... Yeah, and so much emotion mm -hmm. is done through eyes, you know? Yeah. The rest of E.T., you have no idea yeah. what it could be or what, you know, how it would work or whatever. You have to make it all up. But the eyes still connect with us. E.T.'s squishy exterior is reminiscent of dirt, since E.T. is a botanist and was working with plants when he was left behind. Nice little touch. Yeah. Yeah, that's why him and flowers are so like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. E.T. had to look different from any former alien design, and yet he could not look too familiar. If he was too cute, it would negate a major message of the film about love and acceptance of something totally unfamiliar. You know, the kids loving something that mm -hmm. isn't beautiful is much more powerful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or conventionally beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone thinks E.T. now is like a cute little thing because yeah. they have made a connection to him and he's connected to this movie that they love. <laughs> If if they had just suddenly produced an E.T. toy with no context and no <laughs> yeah, film, oh my goodness. nobody would have bought that. No. You know, it reminds me of what we talked about at the beginning of this uh, Spooktober um, with Halloween Town and all the inhabitants of that, right? Yeah. It's kind of the same vibe where in a certain market it is cute or, you know, in a certain light it is endearing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Same thing, Jack Skellington, you know being a scary skeleton but you know we still like him it's a certain design aspects that you can still attach to that you still grow to like and yeah. et had the same thing really weird sounds at the at the beginning and a weird body and stretchy necks you know <laughs> it's it's weird yeah but over the course of the movie he learns to talk a little bit you kind of get grow closer to him yes. he's he does real cute things his heart lights up and stuff like that right and so you really do end up growing attached to him the same way you do these other like creepy Halloween characters. You know, there's a reason why your dog is the cutest dog in the world. <laughs> uh, so, there's right. a reason why your cat is the yes. cutest cat or turtle or bunny or whatever it is mm -hmm. because you have a connection to that animal. So yeah. it's going to be cuter to you. Mm -hmm. When Henry Thomas, who played Elliot in the movie, first saw the E.T. animatronic, what stood out to him was the eyes and how kind and expressive they were. In order for the film to work, audiences had to believe that E.T. was real, even for just a couple hours. So a lot of painstaking work went into his design and mechanics. E.T. was a combination of animatronics and people in a suit. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. The, the face was controlled remotely, sometimes by as many as 12 people at once, working in unison. The scenes where E.T. speaks were done in many takes. They wanted his facial and mouth movements to perfectly match the dialogue. Right. Oh, my goodness. Twelve people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? They showed it. Of... They showed it. All the guys with hold, each holding their own lever. Like, oh, God. <laughs> They're all together. <laughs> Here we go. Don't miss my cue. 
Get it right this time, guys. I yes. want to go to lunch today. Peter, I swear to God. <laughs> if you oh, do it, damn it two seconds too late again. God damn it. That fucking lip is just not working. E.T.'s hands and arms were often performed by a mime artist, Caprice Roth. She said she was hired because she had really long fingers, which was her father's fault. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, that reminds me of the labyrinth. You know, with David Bowie, they had a professional juggler behind him. Yes. Oh, that's right. Moving the, you know, moving the balls around so it just looks like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's just funny to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are hand artists yes, out there. the tricks yeah. used. Yeah. Set designers built the set in such a way that all the cables that control DT would run underneath out of view. Just as the puppeteers for Return to Oz would do a couple years later, they used TV monitors to track movement. The Muppet Show was also done this way. Dude, double callback. Oh, yeah, and that was before this. Yes. So. For the full body view shots, for example, when E.T. was boozy in the kitchen. That lush. Yes, dude, like so wasted. I mean, you've seen it. He goes yeah. right for that beer and he chugs it. <laughs> Downs it, man. Yeah. What if he didn't like it? But be his alien brain was like, well, I have to. It's the whole thing. It's just how you consume it, right? He threw like other stuff on the floor, like other food. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, beer. That's what Earth it's, is all about. This yeah. is really what will bring our species together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is about the Earth, right? Dude, I mean, what if first contact was like that, where we just sat down at like a table and just shared a couple of drinks, right? Yeah, that would we be a slide... really good like Coors Light commercial or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> An yes. alien. Yeah, we slide a Coors Light across the table to the alien. He kind of catches it and then he pulls up with something like <sighs> some gross looking like. <laughs> Bubbling and glowing or something and slides it across the table yeah. back to the person. It's like, oh my gosh. Taste that's out of this world. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Even Boom. though Coors Light Done. sucks. I don't know why I picked Coors Light, but I'm just no. saying. It's, it's, it, right. Because it could be any, any beer. Light beer. Oh. Yeah, advertisers call us. Yeah, seriously. I'll, well, they don't have to now. They'll just listen to this oh, podcast. <laughs> we gave all our good Cut ideas. it out, cut it out. <laughs> so in these scenes like when he's all boozy they had two little people pat bylon and tamara de true as well as a young boy matthew demerit who was born with no legs inside an et suit uh -huh. yeah yeah alan deview was the director of photography for the film he used one technique to make et seem more lifelike which was to backlight with very little fill light E.T. was also purposely not shown very much in the beginning to build the suspense of the character, which is often done in creature movies. For example, Brad Silberling did this for Casper. That's right. Uh, and even and even Jaws, which we mentioned at the very yes. beginning. Yes. Yeah. They, you know, it, it, they didn't intend to do that, but the shark animatronic broke. Uh, <laughs> so they... <laughs> It didn't work in water as they wanted it to, so they were just like, well, we'll just make it so the shark isn't seen for like the whole movie, and it actually ended up making the movie better. But what was special about not showing E.T. until later in the movie was that the actors didn't see him until later as well. Even though films are generally shot out of order, 
Steven Spielberg insisted on filming in continuity. So when the characters see E.T. in the movie for the first time, the actors are actually seeing him for the first time as well. Yeah. That is super cool. I think like, that's so great that so they, cool. it adds so much to it. Their, their genuine reactions is something that even an actor yeah. you mm-hmm. know, could sometimes struggle with. This also really brought out the emotion of the film, as the scenes where the house is taken over by government agents happened late in filming, and the actors really felt like they were losing another member of their on-set family when they said goodbye to E.T. Drew Barrymore later said that having the house covered in plastic really upset her because this warm and inviting place that she had grown to love and feel comfortable in was now scary and full of strange people. There's so much real emotion in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. These kids are really raw. Mm -hmm. And like they, there's so much raw emotion. It's awesome when you're watching it because you does, it does feel so real. Mm -hmm. We were talking about seeing E.T. For the first yeah. time, one of the actors, the actor who played Michael, mm-hmm. he said that he didn't get to see E.T. until his scene. And so he kept asking Henry Thomas, what's he like? What's he look like? Yeah. And Henry Thomas was kind of keeping it a secret, like, oh. mm, well, I guess you're just going to have to wait and see, you know? <laughs> he wasn't telling him. And so the scene where he does see E.T. for the first time, he backs up into the wall and the shelves all fall off the wall behind him. Which was it was designed to do, to do that, but he had not been told that that was going to happen. Oh, really? Wow! So that whole scene was a, a pretty big surprise. <laughs> That's <him>. great, <laughs> yeah. dude! Next level filmmaking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another. Th- thing was that when the all the doctors are trying to save E.T., though Steven Spielberg actually got real doctors. He wanted that official type lingo and he just thought that people right. trying to reenact that wouldn't quite make it as realistic to the actors. Yeah, and that's gotta be such a relief to the doctors because, you know, like, they come in, he's like, hey, you wanna be in, the, in my movie? And they're like, oh, I'm not an actor, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Jim. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they come in and then he's like, okay, so what do you normally say when someone codes? And they're just like, oh, well, we know exactly what to say. And he's like, yeah. cool, say that action. Like. <laughs> I mean, he's like, oh, okay. Treat it like it's really happening. Yeah, just pretend that he's coding and just say whatever and boom. That whole whole scene is Mm -hmm. from top to bottom just amazing, intense, crazy. Oh, yeah. But if you've forgotten about this movie, first of all, go watch it. But just give you a little rundown here just in case you forgot. While dealing with the trauma of his parents' recent divorce, nine-year-old Elliot discovers an alien creature separated from its family. Elliot and his siblings fall in love with the extraterrestrial E.T. and decide to do whatever it takes to make sure he returns home safely. E.T. gets left behind. Humans are the worst. I mean, this is a yeah. common... It, mm. it always comes up when, when the kid is like the, the main character. Yeah. And it comes down to the kid is involved and the parents just or the adults just don't listen right right it's like look 
I know that it's a kid and like, you know, you don't immediately, you know, kids have a fact of imaginations, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But look, in this situation, listen to the kid, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot is this young kid that is going through some serious stuff, you know, that there's this really awesome scene. I say awesome. It's very sad. They are eating dinner and Elliot mentions that their dad is in is in Mexico and the mom essentially has a breakdown. What's the matter, Mom? <sighs> it's Mexico. Damn it, why don't you grow up? Think how other people feel for a change. Really, she's trying to hold everything together. Yeah. Working, single mom, three kids, you know. <laughs> gotta be tough it's really good because this one scene shows us what this family has been dealing with up until this point so we all the information that we needed we have now yeah the scene with the Reese's pieces where he would put the Reese the Reese's pieces out and like to try to lure him out of the shed yeah and I remember every time we watched that when I was a kid somebody in the room would say that was supposed to be M&M's but they said no yeah every single ah! time every <laughs> time someone says that when you're watching it's like an, it's like an obligation mm-hmm. yeah like why <laughs> would M&M why would you turn you know, it down not only do they turn it down but they get made fun of for it every time someone watches that movie yeah <laughs> yes the, the part of this movie that makes it feel like Halloween-y to me is the scene where he takes E.T. out trick-or-treating. Ah, you look great! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, I love that it, Halloween's not a focus mm-hmm. of this movie. It's just one component of childhood. Like, there's nothing more mm-hmm. American child than going out trick-or-treating. Yeah. So what do you guys think about E.T.? I mean, yeah. it's one of those movies that everybody loves. I don't, I don't know a single person who watched E.T. and didn't like it. But one of my favorite things about it, we just mentioned it a, a bit ago, about the whole scene where the kind of government takes over the house. Mm-hmm. This, this movie is not inherently scary, but, but this is still, like... Yes. Kind of mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they 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 portray these government people as just non-feeling right. things, just doing whatever they want to E.T. And some of them are in those, like, hazmat suits. Yeah. So you don't even mm-hmm. see their face. They and it's like, punch through the window. Like, yeah. They break, right? Yeah. You're inside the house, and they go through the window. It's this moment of just violation. Like, yeah. you're just, yes. you're in your home. And then suddenly, somebody else is here, and they a lot of other and it's people. a lot yeah. of people, and nobody does faceless government workers quite like Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, seriously, how does he do it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's just so good at it. But it's strange. I love all of this movie, but that scene, that whole part, just impacts me the most because I'm feeling the most like like intense emotion during yeah. that part because yeah. I'm like well, stop it yeah please you're just like oh my god just like Elliot it's like st- you're killing him yeah. stop what are you doing drives me nuts yeah. yeah so they come they're trying to do tests on E.T. Elliot is very aware of the situation because throughout the movie he has formed a physical bond with him mm-hmm. so everything they do to E.T. he can feel 
which is rough, you know, (laughs) because, you know, they're doing lots of crazy stuff. And the idea that a child is going through that pain is really hard Mm -hmm. on audiences and and hard to watch this cute little alien creature that seems nothing but friendly deal with it too. Especially because all of those people, all of the adults are completely ignoring their, like, terror and mm-hmm. and another part this is another moment i think where the mom really shines too oh yeah because she has to just watch this happen to her kid and i mean that's really hard i mean she you know it's a really hard thing to do she can't do anything yeah. about it. and i just think you know the whole scene is really great for each character because you really see the range of each person and how they're handling this this moment is really rough. Mm-hmm. This is also where E.T. seemingly dies. Mm-hmm. So when he does die and Elliot feels like they lose that connection, you know, and then he turns to his mom and he said, Mom, and he gives her a hug. I can't every time. Yeah. It's There's so many emotions. It makes me cry oh, every God. time because he's just, yeah. you know, oh, God. Yeah, another really rough scene is when the mom sees E.T. for the first time. (laughs) Really, like, you know, all the kids are in the bathroom. Elliot's obviously looking like he's dying, just Mm -hmm. like E.T. pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, she sees and she's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then it's like, oh, oh, God. What, you guys don't just have a doll there or something. That's, like, an actual living that's something weird something yeah and when when she like is telling them to get out of the bathroom and mm-hmm. they're just like mom it won't hurt you it's you know it's and easy. of course she doesn't she, like yeah. believe them believe like them. you're a beautiful sweet trusting child <laughs> you have no reason yeah. to think anyone's going to hurt you exactly and, and she's like seeing yeah. elliot Looking like he's on his deathbed. I mean, yeah, I would freak out too. This if thing I was is a mom. killing my child. It's <laughs> yeah. probably the first thing that she thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not gonna hurt you. I go get her downstairs. Man from the moon. But the scene at the end. Where all the teenage boys help him, they band Best. together, yes. and that—that's—I mean, to me, I—I I, I cry every yeah. time I watch that. There's no question about it. Yes, there. It is the best because it's literally. I love the line where Elliot turns and he says, Kenny, "He's a man from outer space, and we're taking him to a spaceship." Well, can just beam up? This is reality, Greg. They don't know anything about E.T. And they're just like, oh, do you need us to do this thing? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. running away from the government sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, all these, all these agents. Yes. It's like, like this kid chaos, and I love it. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, that, that's another reason why I like it so much, too, is because we just got done with all of the intense government stuff up yeah. until E.T. Yeah. presumably dies, right? Right. And like, oh, these are the worst people ever. And then these kids pull yes. one and pull a fast one on them and like, yes. ha, take that. Yes. Yeah. It's always fun to see an underdog or someone who doesn't have a lot of power win and mm-hmm. overpower, you know, these other people, these adults. So seeing kids do it in movies always, even if you're an adult, you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> do it. Stick it to the man. Like, yeah. you got this. <laughs> yeah. So. And, yeah. And the yeah. best part is they're just like flabbergasted. Yes. Like the adults can do nothing. Right. About yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, 
ha. Exactly. All the shit you just and- did, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love when the kids take off because they don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's awesome. Yep. And the music and all that. Oh, oh, it's just a all little comes together. culmination yes. of iconic cinema yes. beauty. Oh, yeah. It's perfection. <laughs> While filming E.T., the actors and crew started to feel like a family. Steven Spielberg talked with the actors and found out how to best direct them. He felt a strong connection to the children on set, especially six-year-old Drew Barrymore, who played Gertie. He later said that the interactions between him and the kids convinced him to become a parent. Yeah. How cute is that? It is so sweet. So, let's talk a little bit about who is in this movie. Yeah. And we mention all the character names all the time. And let's, let's credit those people, huh? So, first we've got Dee Wallace as Mary. She appreciated that Steven Spielberg took the time to get to know how all the actors worked best. It seemed as though the way everyone worked best was to not rehearse a lot, be fed lines, and just react. And we have Henry Thomas as Elliot. He met Spielberg when he was nine. In the audition, Spielberg gave him an improvisational situation where he was told a government agent knocks on the door to take away a best creature friend, and he has to do whatever he can to stop him. Henry Thomas instantly got emotional, saying, You can't take him. He's my best friend. He had tears in his eyes, and he was just like the movie. They told him he got the part right there. Henry said it was the fastest casting he had ever gotten. The video is insane. <laughs> yes. It's like he's, he's just sitting in the chair and they're like, okay, so here's what's going on. Uh, your best friend, he's a creature, and they're trying to take him away. Go. And he's like, I mean, instant waterworks. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Zero to 100. You can't take him. And it is, I mean, I can't watch it. Yeah. I <laughs> cry every single time. Yeah. It's like it's not even in the movie. He's just doing it. And you're yeah. just like, oh, my God. Yeah. You can't take no. him. He's my best friend. And I just, I can't. I'm like, oh, my God. And then, and then they go, oh, good. And he stops immediately, wipes his eyes. Oh, okay. How do you teach a child that? <laughs> he probably used that a lot in his childhood. Yeah. Like, to, to say, get what he wanted. He was probably good at tantrums. Yeah. If that <laughs> child did that, I mean, I would be like, have everything. You can have it all. I'm... <laughs> Please stop crying. <laughs> like, you want some candy? Here's some candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no wonder you got the part right away. Man. <laughs> yeah. For real. Spielberg would have to often talk Henry through the scenes so that he would know what he was reacting to. In the 2002 reunion, Henry said that when he was watching the movie, he could hear Spielberg's voice still. Such a connection and such a great memory built from, from doing it, even as... Even as a little kid. Yeah. I like still nine. remember that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter Coyote played Keys. Keys is the guy that comes up to Elliot and says, I've been waiting my whole life to find something like this. Whatever. You didn't have to be such a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> In most of the movie, he is only seen from the waist down. He is listed as Keys because this is mostly what you see and hear of him. This is a quote that he had about, <laughs> about working with Steven Spielberg. He said, when great directors call you, you just gamble with them. If they jump off a cliff, you jump off a cliff. And I felt that way about this movie. Um, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if, if there was anyone to jump off a cliff with, it would be Spielberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love the fact that this character exists. And every time I watch this movie, I'm blown away that they have this villainous character 
mm-hmm. that's not a villain. Mm-hmm. You know, you really see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. When he sits down and talks to Elliot, he's like, look, this is my life's work. This is all I've ever wanted. And you've just had it living in your shed the past few days. You know, it's like, this is everything to me. But his being here is a miracle, Elliot. It's a miracle. And you did the best that anybody could do. I'm glad he met you first. It's really interesting that, you know, he's so human. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the only characters from the government that we actually have any kind of connection to. Yeah, and and he's kind of relatable in that way yeah. where, you know, if you're somebody watching the movie who's into UFOs or mm-hmm. kind of a fanatic, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, really into aliens? And yeah. You like, you like the mystery and the, and the right. you know, discussion about it. You're like, that's me right now. It's like, yeah. if, if a kid just had an alien, of course I'd want to, like, meet it, you yeah. know? He also said about E.T., I always thought that one of the things that made people love this film was if two people or three people as far apart as E.T. and those children could bridge a gap and fall in love with one another and communicate, then there are no two people on Earth that were that far apart or there are no two cultures that were that far apart. How sweet. Robert McNaughton played Michael. Spielberg said that he put himself in all the characters, but especially into this character. He would tease his sisters just as Michael teases his siblings in the movie. When he, I love it when he pokes his head in the room. How you, how you feeling, faker? Oh. <laughs> he said when he says to Elliot. When he yeah. him. <laughs> so real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So real. Robert was very protective of Henry Thomas and would play Dungeons and Dragons with him off the set. Drew Barrymore played Gertie. She was six years old at the time, but she could remember everything like it was yesterday. When she met Steven Spielberg, she told him that she actually was a punk rock and roll band leader of the band The Purple People Eaters at the age of six, and she was the drummer. Naturally. Yeah. (laughs) This is why she was the first one hired for the role by Steven. He thought she was remarkable. Nice. He said, we could use that imagination in this movie. (laughs) It sounds... Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. E.T. was absolutely real to her, and the scene where the doctors used defibrillators to attempt to revive E.T., she really cried. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, yeah, it's really hard to watch that scene. And they asked her about it, like, what was that like? And she said, well, I thought they were hurting him, mm-hmm. you know, because E.T. was very real to me. She said, I, I knew that he was something you turned on, but once he was on, he was real. It was like mm-hmm. he was a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she said, I know they were trying to save him. They were trying to jumpstart his heart, you know. But at the time, it was so violent. It doesn't look helpful. Yeah. No, which is why in the movie she visibly jumps. She said it was the most perfect experience and that Steven Spielberg was a father figure to her that believed in all the kids a lot. Next, we have Casey Martell played Greg. He's been in things like the Amityville Horror from 1979, and he was Eddie in Growing Pains. Hey! I loved Growing Pains. Then we have Sean Fry, played Steve. Sean was a child actor most known for his small role in E.T. Then we have C. Thomas Howell as Tyler. He's been in several things since E.T., but most notably Soul Man, 
Red Dawn, and The Outsiders. Nice. Yeah, I believe he played Pony Boy. Pat Welsh was the voice of E.T. She did not have many credits besides her E.T. voice for the movie and the game, but her one other notable was an uncredited voice role as the bounty hunter Boosh from Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that uncredited? That's just. F- I you mean, know, sure, she actors, maybe she had man. one line, but it's Star Wars. Yeah, it's a big enough movie. I love to credit that she's done person. two things, and it was Star Wars yeah. and ET. Yeah. <laughs> was she someone's grandma? Like, how did it's, this happen? It's like you know, she does the one, and she's like, "Well, I'm done. I yeah. <laughs> first try, All nailed good. it." She was only paid $380 for her nine and a half hours of recording the audio. She did not mind the low pay, however, and reportedly bought a vanity license that read, I love E.T. Smart. Very (laughs) cute and clever thing to do with that money, but what the hell? Yeah. Small check. But she didn't mind. She must have loved it. So in 2002, they actually did a remaster of this movie for the 20th anniversary. Um, what? And we're only two years away from the 40th anniversary. No. Oh, shit. Oh, heck yeah. No. (laughs) In 2002, Steven Spielberg released a remastered version of E.T. He did graciously release both the theatrical version and the remastered on DVD and Blu-ray. Unlike some other well-known directors, George Lucas maybe, he said that it gave him the chance to correct the 50 or so pet peeve shots that he had. Oh my goodness. (laughs) 50 of them? Artists, they, you know, you look back on stuff and you're like... You don't even have to explain. you just like, artists. artists. (laughs) There were a few things changed with this remastering. One specific change came because of 9-11. In a scene when Elliot and his sister Gertie are in the bathroom, you can hear their mom telling Michael that he cannot be a terrorist for Halloween. In 2002, they switched this word out for hippie. The scene where E.T. is being chased in the beginning of the original, it's just a light on a rail. For 2002, they were able to put a CGI E.T. running. Oh (laughs) my goodness. I... Did not realize <laughs> because I remember that version. You remember the, a little bit more the CG. Yes. Et. Mm-hmm. Some scenes that were added strengthened the bond between Elliot and Et because they lengthened the time that Elliot spent with him while being home from school and sick. So there were a little more scenes, a little more time that we saw them together playing and kind of it. I, I agree. This did kind of strengthen. Strengthen their bond a little bit. Yeah. In the film, government agents came to take E.T. away. Spielberg had wanted a real threat in the original movie, and so a lot of the adults had guns. Even though it was to build tension for the scene, he never felt comfortable about guns being near the kids. So he decided in 2002 to have walkie-talkies digitally replace them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This was done specifically to the scene where the kids start flying above the police cars. So, yeah, they they switched it out for yeah, walkie-talkies. I guess he didn't want the implication that they could have shot the kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. 
So Spielberg says that E.T. is the movie he gets asked the most about in terms of sequels. He never wanted to do a sequel, and he likely never will. But he did but he did end up giving permission for a small short film titled A Holiday Reunion. No, I know it. A two-minute version aired during the Macy's Day Parade in 2019. In this cute reunion, Elliot is all grown up and has kids of his own when E.T. comes for a visit. A lot of consideration was put into this film to keep the integrity of the original story. They even used similar techniques like lighting E.T. from behind to make him seem more lifelike. It also has a lot of nods to the original movie, with things like Elliot's first drawing of E.T. in school, and a, f- a framed picture of Harvey, the original dog, and so much more. <laughs> oh no, I didn't notice the dog! Yeah. And there are like nods to other Spielberg movies yeah. too. Yeah, it's got a lot. And at the very end, there's the polaroid of all of the kids in their cost halloween costume when the mom had taken the picture of them in the original it's so cute oh i i can't just yeah. so many little details what a great like little that. thing yeah yes yeah. bummer that it's a commercial though yeah a little <laughs> bit but so they played the two minute version at the macy's but there is a four minute longer oh. one and we'll link to that in the blog so you yeah. guys can see it i didn't realize that there were two different ones gotcha yeah so, I think it's safe to say that the music in E.T. is pretty mediocre and we don't need to talk about it. So, let's move on. <laughs> All right. um, so, the movie made lots of money. <laughs> After working with John Williams and Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Steven Spielberg asked John Williams to write the music for E.T. John Williams worked his magic, creating an iconic theme that audiences would not easily forget. The actor that played Michael said that he was humming the theme for weeks before the mainstream audiences got to see the movie. <laughs> I mean, yes. you can't blame him. Yeah. He felt like he said he was felt he was running around with a great secret. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he'd seen it and he you know, they were waiting for it to get released. This theme is most prominent in the scene where Elliot glides across the moon on Halloween night. It's too bumpy. We'll have to walk from here. Beautiful, yeah. iconic, masterful, perfect. <laughs> These are some words to describe it. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> I thought you were describing our podcast there for a second. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> Has a dual purpose. <laughs> Though the scene is iconic, Henry Thomas said it wasn't nearly as exciting to film. He was on a bike that was attached to a camera crane and lifted and dipped in front of a blue screen in the studio. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There is a behind-the-scenes clip where Steven is sitting next to John Williams while he watches the test footage for the score. It's pretty funny and cute because they're watching the model. So they're sitting there, and Steven Spielberg, he's like, okay, so you have to score this, and it's going to be hard because it doesn't look so good. But <laughs> Steve, And it's so cute because John Williams just kind of looks at him and kind of smiles like, uh-huh, like, <laughs> like writing stuff down, you know. Classic Steven. Yeah. You're like, pretend this is the greatest thing you're seeing. Yeah, this is here. the greatest thing you've ever seen. And it's like this little wooden bike, like. <laughs> Bobbing up and down. <laughs> some, some tree sticks. <laughs> we mentioned it in our John Williams episode. 
he put Yoda's theme in when the Yoda costume walks by. So there's a scene where they're doing trick or treat, and Yoda's there's a, somebody dressed up as Yoda, mm-hmm. and John Williams inserted his little Yoda theme. Yeah, because they they make a point to make sure you notice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because ET's like, oh home, I recognize ET. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I recognize Yoda. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's a nice little nod How there. Cute. Spielberg had Williams compose the final chase scene music, and then they edited the movie around the music. Dude, only when you have John Williams doing your score, I think. Yeah. Since its original release, a version has been edited so that the orchestra can perform along with the movie live to enhance the viewing experience. I want to see that. I would watch this. It really does enhance the experience. So if it's ever around, we got to hit it up. We will link to a Business Insider article that shows a clip of John Williams and Steven Spielberg in early works of the film's theme song. It's actually very, very cute. Yeah, it's <laughs> so great. Adorable. You know they have to be best buddies. Yes. Because, like, they, I mean, they did movies. so many movies together. <laughs> I think that's just so sweet. So when talking about the financial success of E.T., the New York Times said... Predicting the success of movies has always been a gamble. Much has been made of the fact that Columbia, which has an opportunity to make E.T., turned down the project. But studios are always putting into turnaround scripts that later become successful movies for someone else. As a hedge, Columbia kept 5% of the profits from E.T., a practice that is becoming common. Wow. That was from 1982. Yeah. That kind of gives you an idea that they were like, oh, that was great. Yeah. They were like, we won't make it. We'll let somebody do that. We'll let somebody else put all their money into that and all that work and effort. And we'll get 5%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, it doesn't hurt us because we get something no matter what. What do you think 5% of ET was? Probably not a lot. A couple bucks. Yeah. 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 So... On opening weekend, E.T. made uh, $11.8 million. <laughs> in 1982. In 1982. Wow. Um, the worldwide gross was a whopping 663 million smackers. I think it made a lot. Yeah. I yeah. think it did well. Yeah. Partially because of E.T., the summer of 1982 was the most lucrative in Hollywood history at the time. Yeah. Their their numbers were down. People weren't going to see movies mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. And this also really helped. <laughs> it, it, people were taking their kids to the movies, enjoying the movies themselves, and it really brought in older demographics to go see movies because at the time, the younger people were watching movies more often, but adults weren't. And this was one of those movies that brought them back and was like, wow, this is, there's something here for everybody. Yeah, maybe movies aren't just for those whippersnappers. Yeah. (laughs) E.T. won four Oscars in 1983 and was nominated for five others. It won for Best Visual Effects, Best Original Score, Hey. Best Mm -hmm. Sound Mixing, and Best Sound Editing. Yeah. Yeah. E.T.'s score, it's been in my head all week, guys. Is it? (laughs) Out of this world? <laughs> uh, no, it was made here. But <laughs> thanks for asking. Anyway, it's really good. I mean, it is, though. 
E.T. won several other awards, such as the Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Film in 1983, which traditionally honors science fiction, fantasy, and horror film. Okay, so this summer, when all of the theaters were closed, and many of them are still closed in America, we went to the drive-in. They were showing E.T. and Back to the Future, because they do a double feature every, every weekend. And we got there... <laughs> We got there about the time, a few minutes before the movie was set to start. Yeah, th- this is not the first time we've gone to this drive-in, mm-hmm. mind you. The line was so long to get into the theater, they had split the cars up into several lines, and we missed the first 20 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was so packed. But not only that, they have two screens showing movies at the same time. And the screen, the tickets, the cars that wanted to see E.T., there were so many of them that they filled up the entire lot and then they put cars in the lot for the other movie. Yep. All the way. Facing the other way. Still to see E.T. People were parked underneath the opposite screen. Facing the screen to watch ET. To give you yes. an idea, this is like multiple football fields. Yeah. Apart. So that's a lot of dang cars. Yes, they sold out after doing that. Even after doing that, they still <laughs> sold out. And I know because we were one of the last cars in. Yeah, they yes. had to stop letting people in. Yes. They just couldn't do it. We got really lucky. Our car was so late that they didn't even have a spot for us under the opposite screen. Yeah. They filled up both sections. <laughs> and so we got a special spot in the grass away from all the speakers, but we used our car, so it was yeah, fine. Yeah, on the radio. We, yeah, we used perfect. the radio. My fiance and I, we drove separately. And we got in a little bit before you guys, Mm -hmm. but, of course, that means they put us way, way (laughs) in the back. And then I texted your fiance. And then finally, (laughs) a text comes along, hey, we got a sweet spot, and we're like, thank Christ. Yeah. I was (laughs) like, are you sure you you guys want to come over here? And, like, you guys were on our way. We are on our way. We are moving. This spot is miserable. Yes. You. You guys just parked right next to us. It was awesome. So that's how popular E.T. is. Almost 40 years later. In the making of documentary, Steven Spielberg said, It's a cliche now to say that this movie is for the child in all of us. No, this movie is for the people we are and the people we have been and want to be again. I think it's for everybody. What do you say to that? I mean, he's right. I, I, that's the thing. Like You watch this and you watch these kids and you're just like, I, I want to be that. If something comes into my life and needs my help, I want to be the person that drops everything and helps them. And even when people are fighting against you and even when you've got scary people taking over your house or whatever obstacle it is, (laughs) you know, you still won't you won't let them do it. Yeah. And it's just such a such a beautiful story. It's an awesome like essence of childhood wonder and adventure Mm -hmm. that is just culminated in this movie is perfect. How do you, what, what else do you say? You say that audiences <laughs> absolutely agreed. The praise was unanimous, and by the time Christmas came around, E.T. toys were flying off the shelves. Steven Spielberg recognized the iconic nature of the film 
and even later used the image of the bike over the moon as his logo for Amblin. E.T. resonated with children and adults. It was about love and the capacity that children have for it. It showed us the story of a child willing to do anything for his friend, a defenseless being lost in a strange world. E.T. is a story that enriched the lives of its audiences and ran them through the various emotions of childhood. It's filled with images that we all relate to. Staying home from school, dressing up for Halloween, and saying goodbye to someone we love. Sure, maybe we all haven't been chased by government agents in order to rescue an alien life form, but watching the kids in this movie trust each other and drop everything to make sure that E.T. makes it home somehow reminds us all of our own capacity for good. E.T. is pure movie magic. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another case closed. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> E.T. is a wonderful movie. It's so good. Yeah. I always forget how much I love it, mm-hmm. and then I watch it, and I'm like, God damn it, I love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the ultimate classics. Yeah. You yeah. know, th- we could probably all come up with a list of, like, five movies that are, like, ultimate classics, mm-hmm. and E.T. is definitely on that. Absolutely. So you guys can find us on our website, blackcasediaries.com. That's the easiest way to find us. You can find all of our, like, Twitter handles yeah. and Instagram and Patreon, maybe, if Not you're interested. <laughs> We'd appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. If nothing else, you can go there for some delicious free drink recipes. Hey. That's right. And real quick on those drink recipes, um, if you're having like a movie theme party, a lot of people like to do movie themes for Halloween. Got some drinks. You'll be the talk of the town. Heck yeah. All right. So since the last week, we got a new review on Apple. (gasps) I know. (laughs) I know. This always excites me. I know. (laughs) It's so great. It's about how terrible we are. No. um, No, geez. One star. (laughs) It's from Brooke at the Tape Store. The Tape Store is another podcast. It's very, very good. You should check them out. Yes, we love the Tape Store. Yeah. The Black Case Diaries give such a detailed look into the movies we all love. They are so fun to listen to as well. It feels like hanging out with friends. (laughs) Thanks, Brooke. We feel like we're hanging out with you too. Yeah. A gesture to yep. the fourth. Yeah, we all looked yes. at the fourth <laughs> empty microphone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's two of them, Toby and Brooke, though. It is a great show. Thank you so much for that review. It's very kind. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right. And that ends our spooky. Is it the end, though? Case, though? Is it the end? Is it? Is, is it? Is it the end of spooky <gasps> month? Oh. Who knows? Maybe something else is coming. <laughs> well, Bye. That concludes our episode. Normal stuff. Bye. Bye. Bye.